It's time for midday here on this Thursday. It's 11, 11 30 here at KRVN, January 28th. Got all those numbers all mixed up. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Jason Jorgensen will join me in sports here in just a few minutes. Bob Rogan will talk about how stocks and maybe game stocks doing. Maybe Bob put some money into GameStop as well. We'll, we'll find out if he was uh, part of the reason it rose so much. We'll find that out in just a couple of moments. Out in the western region, it is warm. 40s already in the southern panhandle. Not so much here in central Nebraska. Let's uh, catch up, though, with uh, Susan Littlefield and uh, see how things are going. Thanks so much, Tyler. Here's what's happening on a midday from the farm team. I'll kick everything off here at 1219 as we'll talk about some dividend checks that are headed to mailboxes of farm credit service customers yet this week if they haven't already received them. Then Bryce will step in at 1245 as he talks about the Rural Fellow Program. The deadline for that has been extended. Then at 117, I'll be talking about top dressing your winter wheat. Is it a good idea? That's a midday from the farm team. All right. Thank you very much, Susan. Sure. Appreciate it. Let's turn it over to Jason Jorgensen. And, well, the Husker, or pardon me, the UNK women have a uh, makeup game today. Yeah, and a big game tonight is the undefeated Lopers take on 9-2 Ford Hayes State. These are the top two teams in the MIAA standings. Women's game only tonight since it is a makeup game. A tip-off is set for 5.30. I've had some people reach out to me and contact me and wondering, you know, what do I got to do if, if they'd like to go tonight? There's up to 1,000 tickets available to be sold at the Health and Sports Center. If you're interested in going, go to LoperTickets.com. They get you the link. Very easy to do so. You pay and you print out your ticket right there, and then you take that with you. So you cannot purchase a ticket at the door tonight, but you have to do that ahead of time lobertickets.com but it's pretty easy all right very important to know it's just kind of like if you go to a big sporting mm-hmm. event it's just much easier if you print it off basically bring it to the game so very good uh fort hay state by the way whose two losses are, do, have they lost to oh you'd have to ask me that uh ucm beat them and i'm not for sure it escapes me at this point you stumped me i did apparently so <laughs> i haven't got to that point <laughs> but it doesn't matter what's happened in the past correct what takes place tonight yeah, I was at just the curious. Sports Center? <laughs> they've really come on. They've they okay. played some good All basketball right. here down the stretch and had a fifty point half on Saturday uh, down on the road wow. against Pittsburgh State. So the Lopers have their work cut out for them. Husker women uh, in action tonight against Wisconsin. Tip off is set for a seven. We'll have that game here on eight eighty KRV. And you have to like Nebraska's chances in this one, although they stubbed their toe last week against Minnesota, who wasn't very good, but. Uh, Wisconsin has three wins on the year. Now, I think to be fair, Husker women last week when they played Minnesota, she only had like seven girls mm-hmm. that she was playing with, so seven they, women. They've been shorthanded all year long. And there's some talk that Nebraska's offensive coordinator, Matt Lubick, could be headed out west to become a head coach in Montana. All right, everybody's out the door apparently at uh, Nebraska. So. Also, coach, coach Scott Frost with a big announcement uh, tonight in the 6 o'clock hour before a uh, Husker pregame starts. You can hear that tonight on 880 KRVN. Big announcement. Intrigue. Okay, <laughs> all right. Well, we'll have it here on 880 KRVN. Let's turn it over to Bob Brogan and uh, tell us more about GameStop. Well, Wall Street is recovering today. GameStop is continu- and AMC continue to make the market gyrate a little bit, and uh, not exactly sure what's going on there, but uh, the dust will settle eventually. My money's on Monopoly, Yahtzee, <laughs> Twister, and Uno. Those okay. are some of the games that I know. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Very, very good yeah. insight. Time for regional ag weather update here on this Thursday. It's brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation.
Paul Perkins now joining us here in the studio. And, well, Paul, it's uh, two different worlds. If you're in the <laughs> central regions and in the western areas of our listing area, you're seeing almost 40s, mid-40s if you're in the Kimball area compared to teens elsewhere. Yeah, lots of sunshine out west, and that is really helping in a nice warm-up as you go towards western areas of Nebraska. But uh, uh, let me get to the right Temperatures, yeah, right now in the 30s as you head into the southern Nebraska panhandle, but still down to 8 at last check in the Imperial area. And let me see that. Yeah, that is the current temperature, uh-huh. at least uh-huh. a, a few minutes before 11 o'clock. That's what the temperature was. So, yeah, the cloud cover has moved in, and we did sub- see some sub-zero readings into the Ogallala and Imperial area this morning and some single digits there. But um, once again, yeah, nicer with the sunshine out west, 44 Kimball. That compares with, yeah, eat above in the Imperial area. It's frosty out there. It was, I should say, earlier this morning. Now, temperatures will warm up gradually over the weekend, but we also have another chance for some precipitation. Exactly. Another system moving through Saturday into Saturday night. That's going to mainly bypass us. A lot of it's going to be off toward our south and east, but we could see a little bit of precipitation with that. The system we definitely need to watch is one coming up on Wednesday night into Thursday. Okay. Developing a lot of snow. No, potentially. Potentially there. Uh, definitely some wind with this system. Mm. Just uh, big up in the air as to far how much snow we could get, depending on the track of the system. And still a lot of details to work out with forecast models at this time. Okay. Especially this far out. Well, let's hope that doesn't happen. What do you have for us today? Right now we do have temperatures, once again, for most of us in the upper teens to the low 20s. And once again, as low as 8 and Imperial, but as warm as 30 at Holyoke in northeast Colorado. And some upper 30s to low 40s on into the southern portion portion of the Nebraska Panhandle. A lot of cloud cover still across the area, locking those temperatures still into the teens and low 20s. It's going to be a bit warmer today than yesterday with our highs about 10 degrees colder than normal as opposed to 20 degrees colder than yesterday. The warmer air from a ridge of high pressure trying to overcome our deep snowpack. Low pressure will approach tomorrow. That is currently expected to track along the Kansas-Oklahoma border by Saturday. A wintry mix, snow and rain will be possible across the central and east areas of Nebraska and Kansas. It's largely going to impact eastern areas, a large sharp cutoff to the central. Timing for the precipitation expected to be limited to the day Saturday into the evening. No snow accumulation expected, but we could see some icing. A ridge of high pressure will keep it dry for Sunday into Tuesday as that system quickly exits. We'll see temperatures warm Sunday into Tuesday into the 30s and 40s to get some snow melting going on. A system that does bear some watching Wednesday night into Thursday. Still a lot of uncertainties to work out with the forecast models regarding the timing and location, but this storm definitely has the potential to impact the area with snow and some strong winds. Strong winds definitely a possibility, just a lot up in the air as to how much snow we could get. The long-term forecast now indicates some colder temperatures, definitely with that system moving through the middle part of next week. For the middle of next week, Nebraska and Kansas likely to be seasonal for our temperatures, but in the change, temperatures are now likely to be colder than normal by late next week through February 10th for Nebraska and Kansas and the entire central and western U.S. Nebraska and Kansas precipitation very likely to be above normal the middle of next week. Those precipitation chances dropping off to near normal to slightly above normal late next week through February 10th with the passage of that system. In the latest regional drop monitor, this week's big snowstorm 
dropped areas from Lincoln to Omaha back to abnormally dry. Much of Nebraska continues to be in moderate to severe drought. Extreme drought continues in nearly all of the Nebraska panhandle and on into the southwest and south-central part of Nebraska or along and west of Highway 183 to the south of the interstate. Kansas saw an improvement of 8 percentage points to 36% drought-free with no dryness concerns along and southeast of a line from Olathe to Hutchinson and Liberal. Most of Kansas remains abnormally dry to a moderate drought. Severe to extreme drought continues along and west of a line from Phillipsburg to Oakley and Elkhart. Weather factors driving the markets include useful rain forecast for Argentina and additional heavy rain chances in southern Brazil. For the U.S. Southern Plains, wheat areas, a system this weekend will bring moderate precipitation to the eastern half. Yet another system, the middle of next week, looks a little more promising for the increasing precipitation throughout the entire southern plains, a favorable period for winter wheat moisture. The Midwest will see moderate precipitation from this weekend system. That, of course, be followed by that next system in the middle and end of next week. The northern plains largely going to be bypassed by the precipitation of these next few systems. Across southern Brazil, heavy rain will continue the next seven days and may be unfavorable for crops with excess moisture, flooding, and disruptions in harvest. Argentina's rain chances will increase the rest of the week. Central and southern areas with light to moderate totals, heavier rains over northern Argentina. The Argentina rain chances will remain high through the weekend and the rain timely for much of the crop as it heads further into the reproductive stage. So as most of us are under cloud coverage right now, are we anticipating the sun returning tomorrow or Saturday possibly? Uh, Maybe Saturday, but it's going to be hard with this approaching system. And what we've got right now is a lot of snow melting, Mm -hmm. and that's adding to the moisture in the air and also some south winds, and that's just bringing in these clouds and kind of locking them in place. Uh, And Out in west, they hardly have any snow on the ground, so (laughs) that's kind of the deal they're dealing with. But we will maybe see some sunshine on to west, central, and southwest areas in Nebraska, but it's going to be pretty hard to budget clouds in central and eastern areas. Okay. Well, hopefully we see the sun by the end of the weekend, which I think we might see a little bit. So, very good. For more weather, where can you find that at? Weather page, krmn.com. Is the only thing that lasts. It's cash back dividend time again with Farm Credit Services of America, but it goes more than just a check in the mail. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. We catch up with Ryan Kirkhoff. He's with Farm Credit Services of America as we look at how many years they've been giving cash back to their customers. Well, Susan, this is our 17th. Um, consecutive year, the Farm Credit has shared a portion of its net earnings with its customers. So since 2004, we have returned more than $2.2 billion to farmers and ranchers we serve, and cashback dividends are something our customers can count on. In fact, our board of directors has announced its intention to pay cashback dividends of at least 100 basis points, or 1%, for the foreseeable future. At a time when there is so much uncertainty, this kind of commitment is important. And we want our customer owners to know that they can depend on farm credit to add value not only to their lending relationship, but also to their pocketbooks. So you talked about that 1%. How do you guys calculate what each dividend is going to be? Well, the cashback dividends are determined by the customer's average daily balance on eligible loans during that particular fiscal year. So essentially, the more business you have with farm credit, the more money you get back in a cashback dividend. 
So this year, our regular January payout is equal to a full 1% of the customer's financing. If you had an average daily loan balance of $250,000, your cashback dividend check is $2,500. So how are producers and customers that is going to receive that cashback dividend? Our cashback dividends are distributed in the form of a check. So this is an important part of the program because we want our customers to decide how to use the money. Some customers use it to reinvest in their operations. We also hear from customers who use it for family needs. And of course, it's money that contributes back to the local economies. So when it comes to the the cashback dividends, how does off-farm credit then distribute them every year rather than holding them back as a profit? Yeah, Susan, that kind of goes back to just our unique um, cooperative business model. So we are governed by our customers who do business with us, and our financial success is their success. So we are here to support agriculture through every economic cycle, through the challenging times as well as good times. And our 2020 regular cashback dividend of more than $275 million is one way that Farm Credit Services of America is delivering on its effort to be agriculture's most valuable financial partner. Anything else that you'd like to add, Ryan? And this is the week that checks go out from Farm Credit Services of America. Farm Credit Services of America will distribute about $270 million in cashback dividends to our eligible customer owners. And we're a mission-driven financial cooperative, and our annual cashback dividends are an example of the power of ownership. And that is my conversation with Ryan Kirkhoff. He's part of the Farm Credit Services of America team. Again, checks are going out this week to their patron. And these dividends will consist of roughly $275 million going out to those customer owners. And as you heard Ryan say earlier, since 2004, they have returned more than $2.2 billion to their eligible customer owners. One quick note, the Board of Directors has approved a cashback dividend program for 2021. That amount will be decided in December of this year. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports. Jason Jorgensen has stepped in. Well, UNK women's basketball has a, a big game tonight. Yeah, test in front of them at the Health and Sports Centers of fourth-ranked and undefeated Lopers, host 9-2 Fort Hay State. UNK's Alyssa Backus was named the MIAA Player of the Week this week, and she says the next two games are big. This is a pretty important week, playing Hayes back-to-back. That'll always be tough. We're just excited to keep playing. Um, not every team in the country gets to be playing right now, so we're pretty fortunate. So we're just taking every game like it's our last and playing our hardest. Now UNK will head to Hayes to take on the Tigers on Saturday. The Lopers swept both games last year, but Fort Hayes has dominated the series. They won 17 out of the last 20. Tonight's game in Kearney tips off at 530. Of course, we will bring it to you on 93.1 The River and 106.9 in Kearney. And in case people missed it, uh, when we were talking midday, they need to buy tickets if they want to go to the game online. Yep, you have to do that ahead of time. No no ticket sales at the door. It's very easy to do so. Go to LoperTickets.com, click it up. The link brings you right to the page. Pick the game you want. You pay, print out your ticket, and you're good to go. You even really have to print it out. Can you just have it on your phone? That I'd, I don't know. Okay. But. All right. 
I'm a little more old school than. (laughs) I mean, I don't think of using my phone as a pay device, but for you millennials, yes, that's (laughs) the new age here, Jason. The Husker women's basketball team shoots for a Big Ten home win tonight as they clash with Wisconsin. Tip-off between the Big Red and the Badgers is set for seven, and we'll bring you that game here on 880-KRVN. Nebraska head coach Scott Frost may have to find a new offensive coordinator. Lincoln Journal-Star reports that Husker offensive coordinator and wide receivers coach Matt Lubick is a candidate for the head coaching job at Montana State, where his father, Sonny, worked for more than a decade. Lubick has a deep connection to the Bozeman area. He was born there and played his college football just down the road at Montana Western. Keep an eye on uh, this situation with the Big Red. You have to wonder. Maybe there was an inkling that the players knew something. Maybe that's why some of the offensive players are leaving, because they knew the OC was out. I'm just saying. I don't know. Also, Coach Frost is supposed to have a special announcement tonight on Sports Nightly after 6, between 6 and 6.45. We'll have that announcement here on 880-KRVN. And UNK head football coach Josh Land announced today the names of four mid-year transfers who are on campus and who will go through winter and spring workouts with the Lopers. One of them is Carney native Miko Majner, and Lynn is excited about him deciding to come back home. He uh, originally signed with Princeton and uh, decided he wanted to get in the transfer portal and transfer back to UNK. Uh, you know, Miko had an offer from Iowa State coming out of uh, coming out of high school. Ended up signing with Princeton, and just to get a good local smart. Uh, kid back to UNK. Uh, that's obviously, uh, you know, that's obviously something we like. And Miko could look pretty good on the perimeter of that spread option offense for the Lopers going forward. The other transfers are outside linebacker Toa Fox, who's from San Diego, wide receiver Trevor Nofo, who's from Las Vegas, and cornerback Javier Peterson, who's a native of Levittown, Pennsylvania. So some guys from around the country, not just around the Midwest. All right, good stuff. That gets good recruiting by Coach Lynn. Not too bad. They don't have that many holes to fill. And, of course, they will be signing with high school kids coming up on signing day on February 2nd. All right. That's a look at sports. For more, find it anytime, krvn.com. Thank you very much. Branch on Facebook. Time for Midday News here at KRVN. News Director Dave Schroeder has stepped in and maybe the biggest news we've received in some time. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Girl Scout cookies go on sale here in uh, mid-February, just about mid-February. But uh, two big news. Uh, I thought uh, that you were just mentioned. One cookie will be retiring, and a right. new one is coming in. Tell us more. Yeah, well, you know, one of the uh, small pleasures of being a news director is getting the uh, news release and the samples of Girl Scout <laughs> cookies each year. So, But there is uh, going to be a new variety this year. It's called Toast Yay. It's uh, French toast-inspired cookies dipped in delicious icing and mm. full of flavor in every bite, which makes you say, yay. Yay. Now, <laughs> the, the packaging, when you first showed it to me, I thought it was like pistachio flavored because it's yeah. kind of the, the color of it. So I'm like, oh, we're, right. we're going a little different here this year. But yep. toast, yay. Okay. Yep, you bet. And then be retired, uh, the Girl Scout s'mores. Mm. Stock up on them this year because after this year, there'll be no more. Sad news, but good news. They'll be replaced with Toastiers this year. Absolutely. February 12th, they start going on sale, folks. Okay, so keep your uh, start saving up for the Toastiers <laughs> and the s'mores, right? And the s'mores. Okay, very good. What do you have for us today? Mid Plains Community College Imperial Campus is offering help to those teachers, parents, and daycare providers who work with overstimulated children. Katie Gebert, the administrative assistant for the Imperial Campus, says 
overstimulation is when a child has multiple ideas going on at the same time, and it could be a product of different things. It could be a child that has too much media in front of them, or it could be a child that is around a lot of other interactive things going on, like um, in a room full of other children that could overstimulate them. And it just means that their brain is being overworked and they don't, they aren't able to process the steps it takes for them to calm down the stimulation that they're getting and how to work that out in a way where they can calm themselves down and take things step by step. Now, Mid Plains is offering this class on February 13th at the Imperial Campus. Gebert, who is also the instructor, will demonstrate how to make sensory bottles and discuss ways to calm down and help children self-regulate. State of Nebraska efforts to create more advocacy for victims of sexual assault were highlighted yesterday in a news conference in the Capitol. State Forensic Nursing Coordinator Ann Boatwright oversees a state program that pays for forensic medical examination so that victims of sexual assault would not have to pay for them. One of the trends she shared was that when the program was launched in 2017, about 10% of the sexual assault medical exams were conducted on male patients. Today, that number is around 17%. We hope that that is an increase in reporting um, and and more uh, male patients coming forward and feeling as though they can disclose that this is happening to them as well. Well, nearly 1,600 patients were served in the Nebraska Sexual Assault Payment Program during the last fiscal year ending in July 2020. And that's an update of the latest in news. I'm Dave Schroeder on the Rural Radio Network. And with Go Light. KRBN is turning 70 on February 1st. Oh, yes, we've aged like fine wine, and we want you to help us celebrate. Tell us your favorite memory or story, and it could be heard on the air. Visit krbn.com. Use the open mic feature on the KRBN app, or visit our Facebook pages to share your favorite story. Listen in February 1st for an all-day celebration as former legends join us throughout the day. Celebrate with us on Community application for deadline for the Rural Fellows Program has been extended. Good afternoon to you on the Rural Ready Network. I'm Bryce Duskett reporting. The application deadline for the communities to participate in the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's 2021 Rural Fellows Program has been extended now till March 1st. Samantha Gunther is the Rural Fellows Program leader. Rural Fellows is a unique program designed to connect college students with rural Nebraska communities. So this is unique in the sense that our communities get to apply and tell us what they're looking to accomplish. And then we match students who have those skills and abilities with those communities so that the students are able to go into that community and live there and work on those projects and make a difference, you know, in a, in a shorter amount of time than what that project could have occurred in. So you're still recruiting communities for this program for this coming summer. Do I have that right? Yes, we are still recruiting communities for this summer. We have actually extended the deadline to be March 1st because we are searching for even more communities to join our program. Talk about uh, the ideal community. Are there certain things a community should be doing to uh, to be able to have this program work well for them? So communities should be interested in, in accomplishing some big projects. They should have some ideas in mind that they are really wanting to achieve. And when we are able to know about those projects, we are able to match the students with those projects so that 
those those projects can be successful. Um, so the ideal community would be one that you know has those projects in mind, and they're wanting to bring some students back to make those projects a reality, as well as spur some spur some inspiration in the community to keep that momentum going. Do you have a couple examples that you could share, Sam, uh, of past projects that seem to work pretty well that uh, might be a good fit for a community listening today? So I have a couple examples. Um, a, a really common project that our communities typically apply for is um, getting some help with marketing and social media and creating an online presence. So COVID-19 has created this unique situation where we had to do a hard shift into having a strong online presence. And so this past summer, many communities were striving to create those social media accounts. What type of content do they put on those accounts? Um, how do we market ourselves so that we can still be accessible even through a pandemic? So that's been a really, a really common project that is very tangible for communities to see the results with, as well as students are able to complete that project well. Um, in other communities, we've had students work on researching LB840 in order to um, inform the public on the, how LB840 can benefit their community. Um, and we've also had students work on downtown beautification. So that might be helping a community get a new mural in town or work on their downtown revitalization um, plans in order to help beautify the community and make it a place where um, people want to be. Well, it sounds like a really good opportunity for some of the communities across Nebraska. If they want, are listening to this today and want to apply, what's the best way to do so? The best way to apply is to go to our website, um, ruralprosperitynne.unl.edu, and on the Rural Fellows tab, there's going to be an online application. So they can start working through that and working through those details in order to get um, their plans figured out for how, um, for who's going to participate, what projects they want to accomplish, and those sorts of things. However, if, um, if there are questions or if um, a community leader wants to hash out an idea to figure out if it's going to work, those sorts of things, um, people are more than welcome to reach out to any of our team members because we are happy to work through those details and help um, that community leader think about other options that um, have been a reality in other communities and could be a reality in their community as well. So we are more than happy to talk through that and to brainstorm ways to make the experience possible, even if it does seem like a big idea. And one other thing we should add, Sam, is communities may be eligible for grants to help uh, offset some of these expenses. Tell me more about that side. Yeah, so the Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources has pro graciously provided $100,000 to help make this program a reality. So the, this um, dollar amount is being used as $2,000 grants for communities so when they apply, they can apply for these grants. And this money is designed to help offset the stipend of each student. So each student earns $5,000 through this experience. And with these grants, you know, $2,000 cuts down that, that stipend quite a bit. And so that's a huge benefit that communities can take in order to um, have a realistic opportunity of participating in this program. Excellent. Anything else you want to add about the program today, Sam? I just highly encourage communities to participate. I myself have been a student fellow as well as a community lead fellow, and so I've seen both sides of it, and I've seen the benefits of both sides being a student and a community leader. So I really encourage communities to consider it, and if they have questions, please reach out because we are more than happy to help.
And for more information on the program, you can always visit our website. It is ruralradio.com. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Bryce Duskett on the Rural Radio Network. Hastings and North Platte. KRVN is your home for Husker sports. Subscribe to KRVN on YouTube for on-demand content. You'll see interviews with players and coaches, analysis with insiders, and more. Subscribe to KRVN on YouTube today. Brent Gloy and David Widmar, Ag Economic Insights, Friday morning at 1025 on 880 KRVN. The 880 KRVN Newsroom is the essential link to your world, nation, and community. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. Local and regional news updates on the half hour. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. Fox News at the top of every hour and breaking coverage as it happens. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellen Simmons. Depend on the KRVN News Team. It's time for the Midday Business Reports. Here's Bob Brogan. Major stock indexes are posting solid gains on Wall Street a day after sinking to their worst loss since October. The S&P 500 was up 2% in afternoon trading, recovering much of the ground it lost yesterday. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was up 587 points, or 1.9%, to 30,888. The Nasdaq Composite was up 1.6%. Meanwhile, the gyrations continue because of GameStop and other gaming systems that are messing with things. GameStop, AMC, and other stocks were down sharply after Robinhood and other trading platforms restricted trading in them. Treasury yields rose, so that continues and probably isn't over with yet. The number of Americans applying for unemployment benefits fell to a historically high 847,000 last week a sign that layoffs remain high as the coronavirus pandemic continues to wreak havoc. The Labor Department saying today that last week's claims were down by 67,000 from 914,000 the week before. Before the virus hit the U.S. hard last March, weekly applications for jobless aid had never topped 700,000. Sales of new homes rose 1.6% in December after November's big decline, which was even worse than previously thought. The Commerce Department says the increase pushed sales of new homes to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 842,000, which is fewer than analysts had projected, and that follows November's uh, November's decline, which was revised downward from 841,000 to 829,000 homes sold, a decline of 12.6% from October. The final airline earnings reports for 2020 are in, and they tell just how awful a year it's been for air travel. American Southwest and JetBlue reported today that among the three of them, they lost about $3.5 billion just in the last three months of the year. And that's the business report.
this crisis. The new regulations require anyone traveling into the U.S. to have had a negative COVID test within three days of travel and be able to prove it. And that's true for both foreign travelers as well as U.S. citizens. The new rules were announced two weeks ago by the Trump administration and took effect on Tuesday. The goal is to stop any variant strains of COVID from coming into the U.S. But even Dr. Robert Redfield admits, and I quote him now, testing does not eliminate all risk. What's more, other countries that have had similar rules in place for a while have found that some people are finding ways of cheating the system. According to an anonymous traveler interviewed by Vice.com, he was able to falsify COVID tests for himself and others. Quoting again, I just fired up Photoshop and changed the date. Some countries, other than Photoshopable printed test results, require so-called COVID passports. Those are phone apps that provide electronic proof of test results. More than 60 of the apps are now in use worldwide with millions of users. I'm Jeff Flock, Fox News. Fox on tech. There's troubling new information about the recent massive cyber attack that hit many of our federal agencies. The Associated Press says that the elite Russian hackers who got in didn't have to do so by attacking systems one by one. They got in by sneaking code into a software update that was then pushed out to thousands of computers in government agencies and private companies. And now U.S. officials and cybersecurity experts are saying they've sounded the alarm on this for years. It was carried out by simple attacking what's called the supply chain, a network of people and companies that develop software. Just like every part in a car isn't built by just one company, software applications are also handled by a network of contractors handling software design, distribution, functionality, even testing. In this most recent hack, it's believed that Russian government hackers inserted the malicious code into a software product made by a company called SolarWinds, which gave them remote access to multiple networks. With Fox on Tech Pro... <laughs> Talking some top dress fertilizer for wheat. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Well, we know it's been generally dry in parts of Kansas, for example, but as many wheat growers are wondering about the state of the crop to the point of thinking about maybe making some adjustments to top dress fertilizer plants. A K-State crop nutrient specialist says the producers need to weigh a few things first before making that top dressing changes. Doravar Ruiz Diaz talks about wheat top dressing management decisions. One of the key questions when it comes to top dressing that we need to start planning now is uh, what's going to be the potential yield for that uh, wheat crop, and, and that's that's going to be one of the first things we need to evaluate. Essentially, each situation is going to be different, and uh, we do have some that is uh, perhaps a yield potential will be affected uh, significantly. In other cases, maybe not so much, and and so we have to keep that in mind as we're thinking about potential yields and whether or not we need to make some sort of adjustments to or plan uh, rate of application of nitrogen. Like I say, a lot of that is is really based uh, largely on the experience and the evaluation that each producer is doing uh, for a particular field. But Because again, the, each field is going to be different uh, depending on uh, what level of moisture we have in, in that particular field and, and the potential for, for that field. And so again, we have to keep that in mind. And one of the things that I, I would like to avoid is just cutting back across everything, for example, uh, without evaluating each particular field. And beyond the fertilization rate, a grower might be inclined to reconsider exactly when to top dress, perhaps leaning toward waiting to get a better idea of the crop's potential. One of those to uh, keep in mind is the time of application of, of nitrogen. If we're thinking about nitrogen in particular, when is that going to be needed? Again, now we have still plenty of time. 
Typically, we say we want to have that nitrogen uh, before jointing. And so, again, think about that. We do have plenty of time. But there's also some research that shows that even later application of nitrogen can still be useful and actually meet the requirements of that uh, wheat crop. Ruiz Diaz says don't get in a big hurry to apply that fertilizer. You know, in many cases, we already apply some nitrogen at planting time with the with the starter, and obviously that's going to take care of all the nitrogen needs pretty much until early spring when the, that crop is really start to grow. So, in other words, we don't need a lot of nitrogen now, really, and and so we have that window for application, and and we have to keep that in mind. We don't need to go too early. Uh, give us an opportunity to maybe assess the situation a little bit more in the next few weeks uh, and see where we are and what kind of adjustment maybe we want to make. And an important part of top dress fertilizer management for winter wheat is selecting the nitrogen source one will apply. And he says it generally boils down to two considerations, whether to top dress a dry nitrogen product or a liquid source. We do have many options, of course, when it comes to source. Uh, more commonly, we're going to use UAN liquid or a dry urea. Those tend to be uh, the most common options for, for top dressing. And a lot of that depends on the management uh, practice of, for each particular producer. Uh, some may uh, prefer to use UAN. Uh, there's also price, obviously, that needs to be considered for this choosing the, the right source. Uh, there are a couple concerns there, and one, one of them is uh, what about volatilization losses? And obviously, we know that using uh, dry urea will tend to be more uh, sensitive to potential volatilization just because we are talking 100% urea versus a UAN, which is going to be only 50% urea. Talking wheat top dress fertilization for winter wheat today with Doravar Rores Diaz. He's a K State crop nutrient specialist. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Playpen on the Rural Radio Network. Let's take a check at the closing grain markets with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. A lower day for much of the grain complex, despite the fact we started the day out with very strong demand news. Is this maybe signifying to us somewhat, John, that we're in a range-bound market? Well, I think we're range-bound. You know, the range is wide. And that's the thing, especially in beans, when you start climbing at these prices. You know, slap 10% around each side of the price here, and you're looking at a dollar 35 up or down. So, you know, $12, I don't think it's in the cards here, but, you know, 12.50 certainly in, on some sort of liquidation event would be a place I'd be strongly involved. Uh, you know, just fully expect to retest the 14s at some point. Um, but again, I think range right now, we're, we're talking up crops again, which, you know, the crop in Brazil, decent from what I kind of hear. I don't, I don't see a lot of people writing down the crop yet, and so, uh, between that and the potential U.S. acreage story, there isn't a whole lot of fuel here to push prices. But when you look at the port offers all up and down the Mississippi and the Missouri River, it's like we're trading mid-fives through April. So I don't think uh, in the case of corn we're going anywhere. And we look over in the currency and we get the FOMC meeting out today. There's going to be plenty of money coming around. But the U.S. dollar index really seems to be finding actually some levels of support versus moving lower. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting dynamic here. We're I'm still kind of betting on uh, a weak dollar at some point, and that could be why you know, consolidation ahead of moves like that are certainly looking to happen. market doesn't have a lot of stimulus talk right now. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of other things <laughs> dominating the financial media. Uh, you don't have to go far to, to read about that. But at this point, um, you know, beans in the teens, is, I think we're going to be around here for a while. In fact, I look at the new crowd prices really as 
you know, once you get through the crop insurance period, I think that's where you, you know, from the end user standpoint, you got to take a shot here. You know, I mean, we're down here in the low 430s. We can we can harvest a heck of a crop and be selling this next spring, but you know, if, if you throw in some weather problems, cut some acres out, all of a sudden China continues to buy. I mean, we're looking at carryovers below 1.5, and that's with new crop acreage above 93, 94 million. So, I'm not uh, I'm not certainly a bear here outside of anything macro coming down the pipe. Um, you know, the next USDA report couple of weeks away, and I, even then that's not a huge deal, and then looking out at the egg form at the end of February, so it's kind of the, the game plan, so to speak, for the near term. Federal Reserve is a, uh, they, they basically intentions are to stay at zero, so as long as they're at zero, you're going to see these, these kind of crazy-ish crazy -ish moves in the um, uh, forex markets, in the foreign exchange, in the stock market, and, and, you know, look at the micro caps, you're seeing that as well, so I think commodities are, are going to feel it at some point. That's John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, and publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. Learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, train future and option involve risk of loss. Right, thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this Thursday edition of Midday. Don't forget, you can tune in to the Midday Podcast, sponsored by Devetti Motors at krvn.com.